Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us today and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it and hope it's a good one for you. A lot going on. The Senate finally released their trillion-dollar COVID assistance package with $20 billion in it for agriculture. Pretty much what we expected. But now the negotiations with the House. You know, the House has a $3 trillion bill out there. How do they work out the differences and what will that uh, compromise number be? Somewhere in between, probably. We will be uh, looking ahead at that. And we're going to get some reaction today to what's in the Senate bill. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, will join us. Nothing, just kind of like Senator Grassley told us yesterday, no specific language for ethanol. Money would go to USDA, and USDA then would have the discretion to uh, uh, perhaps use some of it for the ethanol industry. We'll talk with Brian Jennings about that approach. And we'll also get reaction to the bill from Todd Van Hoos, president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. We'll also be talking not only about the the bill, but also crop conditions and some market issues. We'll talk with the University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin on today's program as well. But let's start things off with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Todd, good to have you with us. Uh, we finally have that package from the uh, the Senate, and it'll be interesting. I mean... They're trying to keep it close to a trillion. The House is at three trillion. These are staggering numbers, and we just kind of throw them around. But but uh, they're huge numbers. I just wonder how high will the Senate Republicans be willing to go up, and uh, how far down, how much lower would the uh, House re- uh, Democrats be willing to go to find that spot in the middle? Yeah, you know that, you're right. Like those those are huge numbers, and I think uh, every time you you see these types of, of bills come around, especially uh, the last time when we went through this uh, for an aid package. Uh, you know, there's so much scrambling going on. You know, obviously in agriculture, uh, the idea that USDA might be able to uh, take some funds and to, and to hand them out directly to farmers, producers, and others uh, is really no different than the first go-around. But, yeah, you're right. I think uh, between the House and the Senate version of this, I think uh, – you know, we might see some some changes. You know, one of the things that's come up when it comes to agriculture is the possibility that, uh, you know, there might be more restrictions replaced on USDA and how it might allocate par- uh, payments to farmers. And I think that might be the most significant thing that we keep an eye on here going forward because, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, we saw the last go-around, uh, ethanol producers and some others uh, did not receive aid from USDA uh, and I think uh, there's there's been quite a move in the past several months to make sure that doesn't happen this time around. And so you're right, between one trillion and three trillion, somewhere in between in there, uh, agriculture is going to have to find its way. But yeah, that is going to be a sticking point because there are sharp differences between Senate Republicans and House Democrats over uh, how much authority do you just do you just give this money to USDA and let them uh, distribute it at their discretion? Yeah. And uh, as you said, uh, Colin Peterson and others in the House want uh, more oversight there. All right, let's move on to some other topics. Yeah. A very important issue: the Dakota Access Pipeline. What's the latest? Well, yeah, Mike. You know this uh, this fight's been going on for a number of years. Uh, you know we're at a point now where the pipeline may be closed down as a result of permitting issues permanently. Um, and so it's being fought out in the U.S. Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia. 
Uh, and one of the things that's come up is agriculture groups from the Dakotas have come forward and saying, uh, you know, we need this pipeline. If we don't have it, uh, transportation costs are going to skyrocket for us, uh, you know, because if you shut down a pipeline, uh, oil's got to go somewhere, and so likely uh, candidate will be on rail. Um, you know, in this part of the country, you know, we've seen a lot of stress here lately in the past several years in terms of cr- the crop issues that we've seen in, in, in Dakotas. And I think, uh, you know, as this plays out in court, I think one of the things we need to watch is uh, is whether there's any possibility whatsoever of this pipeline remaining open. Uh, in some ways, this appeal uh, seems to be really an uphill battle, but I think, uh, you know, I think there's some room here for for some good news to come out of this. And I think, uh, you know, as the agriculture groups trudge on in this thing, I think, uh, you know, at least it's raising some issues that I that I wonder weren't really thought out in the original court cases that that uh, for this whole thing. Also, a trial this week and next on Missouri River flood damages. Yeah, you know, Mike, we, uh, we've been seeing a lot of flooding in the Missouri River Basin for many years, uh, you know, dating back to the early 2000s. Um, you know, this trial has been going on, or this trial, this, this case itself has been going on since 2014. Uh, you know, a farmer in Missouri filed a lawsuit against uh, the United States claiming that many changes that were made in the flood manual with the Corps of Engineers had caused the repeated flooding on the land. And uh, it involves a, a farmer at Idecker Farms, uh, and it's the lead. It's basically the lead plaintiff for the yeah the lead plaintiff um, in in this case. And there are 14 farms that the court has ruled um, are eligible for damages. And uh, so here in the next week or two, this trial. You know, we had the first part of the trial start last week. Uh, you know, we're in the damage phase of it, and uh, there's a lot of money on the line here. I mean, it could be upwards of 300 million dollars awarded to these farmers. Um, so we're kind of keeping an eye on that and see where it goes, but uh, it raises a lot of a lot of interesting points. This trial really did center on uh, whether the Corps of Engineers has taken care of the flooding issues in the basin or not, and so they're going to argue that in trial this week, uh, saying that since 2014 they have indeed done some things to to help flooding. A lot going on in the uh, legal system with the uh, recent uh, decision by the Ninth Circuit that basically allows Enlist Duo uh, to be used. Yeah, Mike, you know, it seems like, especially in the past six or eight months, we've seen a lot of of cases related to ag chemicals. And I think uh, the Enlist Duo side of this thing is really important. You know, this is another one of those products that farmers rely on and need. Uh, You know, and then we've got the ongoing dicamba uh, drama that continues to play out. Um, you know, there's just so much going on in the in the court system, and I think uh, sometimes we just kind of get caught in the in the minutia of all of it and not really see the bigger picture. And I think uh, just in general, ag chemicals have really been under assault in, in court cases, and I think we're going to continue to see that happen. Yeah, we continue to watch it all play out. It seems like. So many of these things, we, they wind up in courts, and then once you're into the system, then you got to go through a series of steps before you get a final resolution. Absolutely, and that's the thing that, you know, this this Missouri flood is just one example. You know, this uh, this happened many years ago. 2014 was the original lawsuit, and here we are six years later uh, beginning to wrap up a trial. And so you kind of just, uh, you kind of, like I said, you lose track of a lot of these cases. I mean, there's so much going on in the court when it comes to agriculture and uh a lot of these things are, are, are big deals. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Ag Chemicals is probably going to continue on. I mean, we're going to continue to see this fight go on for many years to come. 
All right, Todd, thanks for the update. Good to talk with you. Take care. Yeah, thank you, Mike. All right, Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Up next, we'll talk with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin, get his thoughts on the uh, assistance package the Senate has released. He has some thoughts about what should or should not be done for the ethanol industry. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk uh, crop uh, conditions. The ratings are pretty good overall. What does that mean for the markets? We'll talk about that and more up next here on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk things over with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, we haven't talked in a while. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I hope everybody on your end is as well. Yep, but let's talk about a few things. We'll start with the, uh, the Senate Ag Assistance Package, uh, the $20 billion they have in their package for agriculture and basically a lot it kind of goes to USDA and then USDA kind of divvies it out under their plan and we know the house wants more oversight more control over USDA than the senate calls mm-hmm. for but there's a lot of speculation if that's the approach that they wind up with how much would USDA if any this time would uh, use for ethanol now you have some thoughts on how much or, if any, uh, assistance should go to the ethanol industry? Uh, share those with us. Well, I think um, whether they deserve it or not, which is one debate, um, the problem the ethanol industry has is that they're always going to be second in line behind farmers. And so when there's a limited amount of dollars, you have you know, livestock producers, you have crop producers that are struggling. And so I think going to make it tough to have a large allocation. I think, from what I'm hearing, the USDA will probably come up with something for the ethanol industry, given the uh, lobbying pressures that have gone on, Uh, but I don't think it'll be anything nearly as large as what the ethanol industry had been hoping and what had been in some of the earlier bills. Do you question the industry's... um... How do I want to put it? I want, uh, there's a need, obviously, there, but uh, the the legitimacy of their claims, I mean, they're saying, hey, look, everything's been shut down. The fuel demand is down because of COVID-19, so that has directly impacted our industry, and we've got we've lost uh, billions of dollars, idled plants, people have lost jobs. Uh, that would seem to be COVID-related and certainly would seem to qualify for assistance. And that argument, um, it's a similar argument that uh, – lots of industries are making right now. Uh, I think to me the key is to understand that, you know, is this a bailout of the ethanol industry that was already suffering, um, or is this directly related to COVID losses? For example, up until the COVID lockdown hit in 2020, the ethanol industry was already operating at a loss. They were losing money. Now, clearly, if they had continued producing at the rates uh, that they were pre-lockdown, the losses would have been catastrophic. But this is different than cattle producers or dairy producers who, you know, literally can't stop production or crop producers have to continue uh, producing 
in a year. These are plants that can be shut down, and the shutdown costs are certainly not inconsequential, and the industry has incurred those, but the losses directly to these ethanol companies, once they've shut down production, is literally just the uh, shutdown costs. At that point, um, you know, yes, whoever has fixed cost payments, those are not being made. But it's just, again, it's a question of how far do you want to go in terms of bailing down an an industry that has the capability to adjust and to shut down production completely. So we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, uh, we don't know what USDA would do as far as assistance for the ethanol industry, but I would think the chances would be better getting it from USDA than if, say, the money had been given to EPA for them to make the decision. <laughs> well, we, we, we know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's look at some uh, some other issues. Uh, let's look at the crop ratings, which are, are pretty good, mm-hmm. and we know there are some trouble spots out there, some areas of concern, western Iowa and some others, but... Uh, evidently, a lot of good crops around the Midwest. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as uh, here we are kind of already at the end of July. Uh, the crop's not in the bend, but it sure is a, a long ways towards it for many areas. Well, we're, we're getting through the critical period. And outside of that uh, problem area in central Iowa, a little bit in Ohio and Indiana, you know, conditions are just excellent to me. It, a number that really stands out to me is that this week Minnesota's corn crop was rated 84% good to excellent. I mean, we're starting in some of these states to push, you know, uh, you know, into extremely high ratings so that the, the, the corn and soybean crops right now overall are in very good shape. And it sure looks to me like we're um, have very good chance of, being above trend overall, even with the problem areas that are clearly out there in uh, central Iowa. And even with the purchases China has made, if you're looking at a big crop coming in, that that's bound to put more pressure on the markets. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, each bushel that you go up above expectations is another 84 million acres, another 84 million bushels on corn, and, you know, another... 83 million on soybeans. So, you know, that that multiplies very rapidly, again, even with the positive demand base that we've seen. And, you know, I think, you know, with the prospect now of at least reasonably benign weather for August, you really see some of that weather premium being taken out of the soybean market. Hard to imagine, especially with the rhetoric flying between the two countries, that China's going to buy uh, buy us out of the, the doldrums too much here on the markets. I mean, so much hope was pinned on their purchases. We've seen some big purchases, haven't seen a huge market jump because of them, and still waiting to see how the rest of the year plays out. But uh, it's going to take a lot more, it seems like, than what China's going to buy. That's certainly my view. I mean, if you look at the latest uh, balance sheets, uh, velocity balance sheets, the USDA has, in my opinion, uh, on both corn and soybean exports, pretty robust numbers for the 2021 marketing year. And even with these uh, bursts of purchases, I think we're going to be stretching to reach those projections. And then 
that means that that's already pretty well baked into the market and we're in a supply story now and it's good weather and um you know, the kind of question right now is just how high could the U.S. average corn soybean yields really be this year? Mm-hmm. And what'd you, what did you think of what has been released concerning the investigation into the cattle market? Uh, basically saying, here are some recommendations we think could make things better. We're not finding any major wrongdoing or price manipulation at this point, but we'll keep looking. I mean, that's... Um it requires some real careful analysis um, because, you know, it's easy in a major, you know, shock like we had with COVID and the plants shutting down to just look at, you know, the exploding price spreads and say somebody's taking advantage. I'm not saying they couldn't have, but on the, but we know at the same time that the spreads were exploding, that the costs of these companies were exploding. And so to really get the right answer, you somebody you know has to get in and basically answer the questions. You know, did costs, did prices go up commensurate with costs? To me, that's the key question, and it's just going to need a, a lot of careful analysis and getting into uh, proprietary data from from these large packing companies. And we won't know the right answer until we answer that question. And, you know, my, without, and obviously I don't know any of those details, but uh, I know one thing. We live in a in an investigation culture. There are a lot of investigations going on, and usually we're so polarized now in this country, minds are made up before the investigations ever start. And unless the outcome is what you had already decided it should be, you're probably not going to be happy with the, uh, with the results and probably would question their legitimacy. I'm sure that that's going to go on. And, you know, in this issue of the market power of uh, the meatpacking industry in the U.S. has been around almost, seems, you know, is almost literally forever. It's an emotional issue, particularly uh, among cattle producers, cow-calf ranchers, uh, and understandably so when everybody's under such financial pressure. And, you know, they need to have confidence that, you know, they were treated fairly uh, during the worst of this uh, crisis. So I, I do fully support the investigations continuing, but, you know, we, we do need to do a thorough, rigorous job of investigating an important question like that. So I agree with the conclusions that the USDA reached. We, we just have to dig in and, and try to figure this out with better data. All right, Scott, good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot. Yeah, always a pleasure. Take care. University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Well, up next, Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. What does he think about this assistance package the Senate has passed and the concept of giving money to USDA? And would the ethanol industry get any assistance in from USDA? We'll talk about all that next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by the CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, Brian Jennings. Brian, good to talk with you again. Now we have the Senate assistance package with its $20 billion for agriculture and as 
Senator Grassley told us here on AOA yesterday no specific language or amounts for the ethanol industry. Money basically would go to USDA, and they would then decide where it goes out as far as aid is concerned. So let me ask you, that. let's start there. What do you think of that approach, and do you think if that's what's adopted that you'll be able to get help from USDA this time around? Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure to join you, so thank you for the opportunity And we've been working very closely with Senator Grassley and his staff on this. And my reaction to the bill from the Senate Majority Leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, is that it's a good start. But we certainly would prefer to see Senator Grassley's very specific language um, directing payments based on feedstock purchases in, in the bill. Um, you know, you mentioned this or you, you referred to it. Congress has given USDA some flexibility in previous stimulus packages to provide relief to biofuel producers, and USDA declined to exercise it. In fact, we had a phone call with the Deputy Secretary of Agriculture, Steve Sensky, back after the third uh, stimulus package was was adopted, and he, he was very uh, upfront and direct with us. Um, biofuel payments would not be included, and the reason was Congress didn't specifically tell USDA to make those kinds of payments. And so I'm, I'm happy that the McConnell bill says some of this money can be used for processors, and by any common sense definition of the, word, of, of the term processors, you'd think ethanol producers would be included. But I'd hate to see um, us slip through the cracks and, and USDA interpret that word differently. And so we've got a couple weeks. I'd like to see a, a little stronger language, um, if we can, before this bill gets to the president's desk. And a lot to get done in those couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the amount, because you got $3 trillion from the House, $1 trillion from the Senate. They have to come to some figure in between. And just that issue of... Uh, USDA being in control of those dollars, that's something we've already heard from Chairman Peterson on the House side, that he uh, he wants a little more uh, say or a little more oversight over USDA on how those funds are used. So that has to be worked out as well. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention the same thing, that the, the chairman of the Agriculture Committee in the House, Colin Peterson, uh, has a very strong opinion about U.S. attaching strings, I guess we should say, to uh, the dollars that are provided to USDA, while the Senate Republican leadership, anyway, is taking a very different approach, um, whereby they're they're giving a lot of flexibility to the department. So that's a big thing to to hammer out. You mentioned the overall price tag, a, a whopping three trillion dollar bill in the, in the House, uh, a trillion uh, in the Senate. And then there's this issue of liability protection that doesn't necessarily impact uh, farmers and ranchers and, and ethanol producers in a, in a direct way, but it's a big deal um, to, to the Senate majority leader. He wants to provide liability protection to, to companies um, so they don't have frivolous lawsuits um, if employees come back to work. It's seems like Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, is, is not wild about that idea. So um, you're right. There's a lot of work to do in these two weeks, yet I'm confident, um, I, hope, I hope I don't regret this, I'm confident something's going to get done. I think members of Congress understand the, 
the, that the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc on, on the economy and a fourth package needs to get done. So I, I'm hopeful that they'll come together on this. Yeah, I think you're safe with that prediction because I can't see either side wanting to risk looking like they weren't doing something to help people during this pandemic, even with what's been done so far. Obviously, there's still need. Yeah, and you think about the fact that Congress adjourns on the 6th or 7th of August, and typically they go back to their home states and their home districts, and they spend almost the entire month of August going to fairs and doing town hall meetings and meeting with constituents one-on-one. And and certainly there may be less of that type of activity given the virus, but there will still be some interaction with constituents. And I have to imagine a senator or a member of Congress would hate to go back to their district or their state empty-handed knowing um, how bad the economy is still reeling from from this and certain sectors like ethanol and, and biodiesel producers who have been left behind by the first three phases of this. So um, we're really going to put a, you know, push our members to be in touch with Congress to try and get this thing across the finish line before the 6th or 7th of August. We're talking with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. And Brian, I think the unfortunate part of this is basically then you have all these segments of agriculture um, <laughs> vying for limited dollars, even $20 billion, that's a lot of money, but when you spread it out over the entire ag industry, basically, uh, then it goes pretty fast. And then, so you're competing with others. And while that goes on to a certain extent, oftentimes, you've got more people involved in the process this time wanting and needing some of those uh, dollars. So it's just kind of a... You're all in there now, the livestock industry and the specialty growers and all the you're all in there trying to make a case why you should get some of those dollars. And it gets uh, it gets pretty competitive at some point. And, and those decisions and if it falls on USDA, they have to look. You don't know what formula they're going to use. Will it be what they've used in the past? Uh, so there are a lot of unknowns there. That's precisely right. I mean, put yourself in the shoes of. Secretary Purdue or Deputy Secretary Sensky, and you're getting dozens and dozens of letters from every single sort of specific sector of agriculture wanting their fair share of these limited dollars. And you have vague, um, sometimes, uh, language from Congress with which to dole this money out. Um, having worked for a member of Congress a million years ago, um, my attitude is that Congress needs to be very clear about what they want USDA to do. Don't make USDA's job difficult. Don't make USDA pick winners and losers. Let's get clearer language in this fourth stimulus. Sometimes I wonder, though, we see this happen so often, all these gray areas. It's almost like uh, Congress wants to say, here, USDA, you handle it. You make the tough decisions, and then you're going to you get the uh, the criticism that goes with it. Oh, I I agree precisely, and I think that is is a terrible approach. These members of Congress need to um, you know live up to being elected officials and make the hard choices and do the right thing. I don't think uh, it's right for members of Congress to to be vague or 
to provide sort of gray uh, interpretation to USDA or you and I've talked uh, several times about EPA, you know, figuring out ways to sort of, uh, you know, use their discretion to harm the biofuels industry through the renewable fuel standard. Congress has an opportunity right now to be very clear about how this money is spent. Biofuel producers have been left behind in the first three phases. This is a good start, but we need much stronger, much clearer authority from Congress, and we're going to be working with Senator Grassley and others to try to get that done. So your industry does not know how much, if any, assistance you're going to get out of this. So how important is it moving forward for the industry? I mean, at a crossroads here where the rebound seems to have stalled somewhat as far as fuel demand how far can this industry go without some assistance this time? Well, if, if no assistance is included or USDA, you know, comes up with a strange interpretation of the word processors and, and chooses not to provide assistance if, if the McConnell language makes it in the final bill, we're going to see dozens of ethanol plants shut down um, permanently. Uh, we saw during the, the months of, of, of March and April some of the most devastating financials from these ethanol plants they've ever seen, losing more money in in a short time span than they made in the last year or two. We've crawled out of the hole a bit. Ethanol demand picked up for a while. It's actually dropped back down for the last couple weeks. But long term, these, these plants don't have the balance sheet to withstand the historic hit that they took back in, in March and April and May. And so the impact that that's going to have on rural economies will ripple. It means hundreds of millions of bushels of corn, or in the case of biodiesel, soybeans that won't be purchased. It's going to impact jobs in these small communities. It's going to impact the tax base. And so it's really important, it's critically important that Congress doesn't leave the biofuel industry behind in this fourth stimulus critical time in the next couple of weeks coming up with a final bill and then the implementation of that bill however it looks after that so uh, these are some uh, important times and uh, we're awaiting some uh, big big decisions here out of washington dc as you said uh, brian your industry like other parts of agriculture will be making making your case there to the powers that be Thanks for the update and your thoughts on where we're at now, and we'll stay in touch through this process. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. These are indeed big decisions being made for the ethanol industry, the livestock industry, and others. We'll talk about that more with Todd Van Hoos, President and CEO of the Farm Credit Council, next on AOA. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I want to get some more thoughts and reaction to the Senate Ag Assistance Package. Their trillion-dollar bill would have $20 billion for agriculture. And of course, the House has a $3 trillion bill out there, so the two sides will have to work together to come up with some kind of a figure in between. But what the what does this Senate proposal mean for agriculture? Let's talk about it with Todd Van Hoos. He's president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. Todd, thanks for joining us. What are your thoughts on this uh, proposal from the Senate? 
Well, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I, I think it's a terrific proposal. This is uh, this this is a lot of assistance for agriculture. It's done in a very targeted way. Uh, we we sure do appreciate the Senate moving on this bill. Hope they'll, as you described, get together with the House pretty quickly, and and get something finalized because uh, you know agriculture needs some help out there, as do rural communities. What specifically do you see in there that you think would be very beneficial for agriculture in in particular, rural America in general? Well, sure. You know, the $20 billion uh, in assistance for agriculture is, is huge. I mean, as you mentioned, the House bill does somewhat similar things. Um, you know, this is the direct kind of injection of assistance. A lot of supply chain disruptions out there still linger. Uh, a lot of price volatility still out there, trade uncertainty still out there, weather uh, still out there. So this is, is really good, timely assistance if they can get it across the finish line. That's that's sort of the headline. If you look a little bit below that, you'll see some other very favorable agriculture provisions. You know, I think you and I have talked about the Paycheck Protection Program that was enacted back in March and, and how hard it was for farmers to access that program, this bill actually does a couple of things to make that better for farmers. One, it'll it'll provide almost automatic forgiveness uh, for PPP loans that farmers or anybody else may have gotten for less than $150,000. And, and as you might imagine, for, for farmers, uh, you know, Farm Credit made 15000 of these PPP loans 93% of those uh, were made to farmers for less than $150,000. So this automatic forgiveness is going to be a huge benefit for, for farmers out there. And, and so we're, we're looking forward to trying to implement that as quickly as possible. It also allows farmers to look at their spending and say, instead of the eight weeks prescribed originally, it'll allow them to pick the eight weeks they have those expenses. And so you know, as you know, agriculture tends to be cyclical in its labor demand, so all that's going to be accounted for here. And then finally, it allows Schedule F filers uh, to, to have a different way to calculate that gross revenue to see what they were eligible for for Paycheck Protection Program. So it, it, is, it is a real boon to farmers out there. Yeah, those are very important points, uh, and there's been a lot of discussion about making sure things like PPP get to the smaller businesses, not just the right. big ones. That's right, and, and this bill actually sets aside, it does two set-asides in there. It sets aside a, a big chunk of money on PPP just for those smaller businesses. It also sets aside a small a, a chunk of money just to be distributed by smaller uh, financial institutions. So both ways, I think, are going to help that. Of course, there'll be a lot of things they'll work on as far as funding for SNAP and some other things like that. So, but a, a big issue is going to be: uh, do you know the Senate would pretty much give the money to USDA for them to use at their discretion on a lot of the assistance, whereas the House would require more oversight, more uh, specifics on that. So that'll be a huge issue that they'll have to work out. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Colin Peterson in the House has led the charge on on the agriculture part of the HEROES Act. He's done a fantastic job uh, doing that, you know, Congressman from Minnesota. Uh, and, and his, as, as you say, the, the House bill is, is a little more detailed in terms of exactly where that money goes. The Senate bill is a, a little less detailed and basically says, 
uh, Secretary Purdue go out there and help. Uh, and, and so we think there's lots of common ground to find on that. I'm, I'm reasonably confident that the, the House and the Senate will be able to get together. It won't be, won't be simple, uh, especially ahead of an election like this, but, but we're confident they're going to get this done. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I hope. Yeah, to get it a final bill done. And then, of course, then you have to start implementing it. And there are a lot of, uh, groups going to be already making their case why they should get some of that money. and that, So that's going to leave, whether it's USDA or whoever, some tough decisions to make. It, it will. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't envy Secretary Purdue and his decision-making. I, I think this is very hard to do. You know, there's not an unlimited amount of money, uh, and we really are in an unprecedented time. And, and so there are hard decisions that are going to have to be made. I, I know you all were just talking about the ethanol industry uh, on your show just a few minutes ago, and that's certainly something that needs to be looked at. Uh, but there's a lot of other needs out there in, in agriculture. You know, there's a lot of discussion around. Everybody understands kind of the grains and livestock sector, but there's also an entire specialty crop sector that has really been hit hard. What are you seeing and hearing as far as the stress level among farmers and farm operations, uh, people in the farming business during this pandemic? You know, Mike, I, I think it's really high. We're, we're getting reports from all around the country that farmers are stressed. And, and you know, you, you can sure understand that. When you look forward and try to put your farm plan together right now, there's just no way to predict what the next step's going to be. I mean, how do we know when markets are going to come back? Um, the, the weather has just been devastating in a number of places. We had a hurricane. We've got some drought all over the country. So it, it is it is really stressful times out there in farm country, and, and we're seeing some of that now. All right, Todd, thanks uh, for your thoughts on this package. We'll wait and see what uh, they come together and, uh, and work out for a final bill, and then we'll get your reaction at that time when we see what we're working with. Thank you very much. Always happy to be on, Mike. Thanks. Take care. Todd Van Hoos, he's president and CEO of the Farm Credit Council. So we'll continue to look at this, what's in the Senate package, and look at the uh, the negotiations between the House and Senate coming up with a final bill for assistance. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Hope you'll be right here with us on AOA.